Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Hasta la mana, manana, hasta la mania, hasta la Joe Montaigne. Uh, welcome to another edition of Less Rock, More Talk, episode eight. And we are here uh, live in the Nick Robes Podcast Network studio. It is a beautiful, brisk fall afternoon, summer, Saturday, uh, not summer. My brain's all scrambled. I've had a I've had a very rock and roll uh, morning. I woke up at noon and I ate Taco Bell for breakfast, and I was approximately four hours late for the recording of this podcast. Uh, I wanted to channel my inner a- Axl Rose. Um, I believe he also ate Taco Bell pretty frequently, <laughs> and uh, I'm in a I'm in a good mood besides being uh, a little bit scrambled. Um, I guess it's important to uh, note that uh, Billboard. Magazine finally got on to the fact that I wasn't a subscriber, so now I am officially subscribed to Billboard Magazine's online service to get these charts for the magazines. Uh, these charts, magazine chart, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking straight. I need some more uh, iced tea. <coughs> oh! <laughs> Drinking it. <coughs> Unlike Van Halen, I am drinking iced tea. It's not... Jack Daniels. I am drinking iced tea in a Jack Daniels bottle right now. Um, Unsweetened, because I got to watch my weight. But anyways, the point is, uh, if you want to throw me some money, feel free to do so. Feel free to throw me $13 a month, because that is what it costs to subscribe to Billboard Magazine online, so I can get the charts to produce these shows. Um, We have a wonderful, wonderful show um, after last week's debacle, um, we have a great chart for you, a great uh, great list of classic alternative rock songs. Um, but before we count down the list and tell you uh, more about what we're cha- charting, counting, <sighs> what we're counting down this week, um, I'm going to introduce... Uh, my co-host and the producer of the podcast, uh, the the founder of the Nick Robes Podcast Network, Nick Robes. Well, hello, Connor. How are you today? You're a little scrambled. I'm a little scrambled. It's a, We're recording on a Saturday. We usually record during the middle of the week. Yeah. yeah. And I'm at the end of a four-day weekend. I've had the last Ooh, three days off. Buddy. Yeah. So nice. I'm not in, I'm not really focused. I get that. Yeah, I get that. Usually recorded in the in the middle of the week. I have a work mindset. Yeah, I'm focused. But this, I'm you well. Know. The juices are already flowing. Whereas when you wake up at noon, you you kind of have to like jump. You have to find that thing to jumpstart. Right. Exactly. Um. I uh. I think I turned when I turned 29. Suddenly, my body said that you will not sleep beyond 7:30 a.m. ever again. And I just can't do it. I like seven thirty rolls around. No matter what, I could have gone to bed at six a.m. My eyes open up, and my body's like, "We're doing this." <laughs> it's not the most fun, but uh, it does impede my rock and roll lifestyle. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it's brutal. It is. It's tough. It's a tough life. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm I'm seeing a, a spiritualist. Uh, we're getting into some uh, uh, stones and. Uh, they're putting it various places, and then I look at them, and I'm hopefully, hopefully, I'm going to get through this, and I'm going to sleep fairly soon. We'll hopefully. see what happens. <laughs> I'll keep you updated. We are uh, 
We're rather haggard today. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's rough. <laughs> I'm drinking iced tea out of a Jack Daniels bottle. Yeah, I, that Nick is Rose a nice is drinking touch. Sprite out of a Hornitos bottle. Yep. Yeah, I. Uh, it took me a while to get it in to the Hornitos yeah, bottle. Yeah, you have to dump all the tequila out, then pour the... Uh, yeah, uh, and started at roughly 7.30 this morning. I finally got it all in. <laughs> uh, well, so who do we have on the podcast uh, today? This uh, this week on the show, we have a, a dearly beloved friend of the show, uh, my very own girlfriend, Leah. I'm not sure if you want us to use your last name. Uh, Michaela was on the show previously, and she said, don't say my last name because I'm a teacher. <laughs> I'm not going to say my, if my girlfriend's a teacher or not, but it, hypothetically, if she was a teacher, Uh-oh. W- would she want her name, last name to be used on the podcast, or you can just be Leah? I'll just be Leah. Okay. Bum, 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 bum. But uh, I, uh, I'm using her as an expert because she was, uh, what, you were 15 in 1996. I turned 16 that summer, so I was 16 by the time November 2nd came around. Nice. So this is your era. Yeah, this will be like right in the wheelhouse. So yeah, and I was 16 and during last week's show, which was 2004. Uh, Leah is uh, my sugar mama. Um, <laughs> and I will say that the music in 2004, the alternative rock music in 2004 was not quite as good as it was in 1996. I mean, I get it. I get it. Uh <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to see what actually happens because I feel like uh, it could it could be uh, I don't know I feel like it could hit me in a in a nice place because my siblings would have been I don't know in their yeah 20s my yeah time. my siblings well my older brother was 12 so he was starting to get into yeah like have his own music taste so I'm I'm aware of these songs being on the radio and I would have been 10 yeah I, mean, I was know. eight so yeah. I would have been. Yeah, I would have been uh, aware of what was happening, but I don't know how alt I was at the yeah. time. My dad was listening to the alt-rock station at this Ooh. point, yeah. I feel like he was listening to CYY. CYY had started at this point, the alternative rock station in Portland. It started in 1995. WCYY, beloved uh, station of Dave Gutter. Yes. <laughs> we aren't, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, uh, we aren't going to badmouth any of the local radio stations anymore because we want them potentially as guests. <laughs> so I will say every radio station in Portland is un- unequivocally wonderful. I absolutely adore WHOM. Uh, yeah, we were looking to have John Tesh on an episode. Definitely John Tesh will be here. Uh, all the uh, morning DJs of WPOR, the country station. Conservative talk radio. Yep. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Contemporary Christian music. Do we have one of those in Portland? We have to, right? Uh, yeah, we do. Definitely. I can't remember its name, but I love it. I love to feel the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> Excellent. We talk about the devil's music all the time, so it's good. We got yeah, you got to have the yin and your yang. As I kiss, take another sip of yeah, Kiss definitely made the uh, the list at least once. Sure. Great. Uh, well, that. Brings us to the honorable mentions. Yes. Yeah, so November second, year of our Lord, nineteen ninety six. Anno Domino. It's a Saturday. I actually every every sh- every day uh, one of these charts was released on a Saturday. I don't need to specify it. <laughs> Saturday Night Live this week. Yeah. In history, Chris Rock hosting 
with the wallflowers. Wow, as musical guests. That's a that was a good episode. That's also very telling of the time. The cold. So it's the weekend before the presidential election, nineteen ninety six. Bill Clinton versus Bob Dole. The uh, episode features a guest appearance by Dana Carvey as George H W Bush telling Norm Macdonald's Bob Dole to give up hope on the nineteen ninety six election. <laughs> So the 1996 election wasn't too much of a nail biter. No, no, I do remember it though. I, I remember memories. Bob Dole being everywhere. Yeah, and uh, I, didn't he go on to do Pepsi commercials? Yep, yep. I think right. he appeared on Saturday Night Live after the election too. Yeah, to like yell at Norm Macdonald. <laughs> uh, and he referred to himself in the third person. That was the thing. Yes, it was Bob Dole thing. Bob Dole thinks that, yeah. Bob Dole, yeah. That's great. And the election was parodied in the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors that year, probably a few days before this. Probably the week of this chart. Early nice. In the week. Yeah. All right. The well, Kang and Kodos took over Bill Clinton and Bob Dole's bodies, the aliens <laughs> on The Simpsons. Great. Uh, not to be confused with uh, Futurama. Uh, <laughs> Simpsons in space. Cool. Well. Uh, Let's get to our honorable mentions. Here we go. For uh, November 2nd. Year of Our Lord, 1996. First honorable mention, a band that, uh, a very popular band, but they don't make a lot of chart appearances. Hmm. But debuting at number 39 on the chart, Fish. Oh, wow. With a song free off their big breakout album, Billy Breathes. That was their like first attempt at getting mainstream, mainstream. rock attention. It was produced by Steve Lillywhite, who also produced uh, The Joshua Tree, I believe. Seriously? Uh, let me double check. Steve Lillowhite, he's a big oh. uh, U2, Rolling Stones. Yep, he did uh, Boy and uh, October and War. Jeez. And he also did Peter Gabriel's third album. Daniel Lenoir did uh, Joshua Tree. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, he also produced uh, the Dave Matthews Band. So I think that's probably why Fish went to them, because they thought themselves sort of similar Along the lines of Dave Matthews Band, like they thought Steve uh, Lily White could capture a jammy band in the studio. Interesting. Did you say he also did Peter Gabriel? Yes, the third album. That's the one with. Uh, like, turn up the music a little bit. Uh, it's fish. Okay. It sure is. <laughs> but they actually got a little bit of radio play. Good for them. Are you a jam band guy, Nick? Uh, I don't dislike it. I definitely had a fish phase where yeah. I was listening to it, but um, I don't know. It was uh, it was never something that I was like. <laughs> it was never something that I was like uh, uh, fervent about, but I definitely listened to fish. Yeah, but it's always like fish fans or fish heads. What do they fish? Hardcore fish heads. Uh, I think they're, yeah, I think fish heads. Fish heads. Yeah, let me, but fish heads are fish fish, fish heads. Fish, fish heads is what the Wikipedia article says. Fish fans yeah. with a PH. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Like they'll tell, like a hardcore fish fan will be like, don't listen to any of the studio albums. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's like, it's like, I, I mean, I, I get uh, the live experience being important, but it's like, how am I supposed to get into a band when all their studio albums are trash? <laughs> uh well the the album that i had that i adored was uh which one was it it was the one with um 
Oh my gosh. Let me take a look at the albums here. Oh, well, I definitely had Farmhouse because Farmhouse that was Farmhouse was kind of a hit. Yeah, they had heavier things. Yeah, that was probably their things. biggest hit. Yeah. And uh what was the Oh my god. There's an album that I will be able to find. I promise. Lawn Boy. I had definitely uh listened to Lawn Boy a lot like the summer of two thousand three, driving around in my truck. Uh, Reba was on it and uh, Bathtub Gin, Run Like an Antelope. Oh, yeah. Bouncing Around the Room. That was a big yeah, song. Yeah, that's a on big that fish one. one. Yeah. Uh, real Big Fish is a different band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, real R E A L B I G P H I S. spelled different. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, jam bands, fine. I yeah. definitely had friends who were way more into it than I was, you know, and they would go see Umphreys McGee and all that kind of stuff. Disco Biscuits. Disco Biscuits. Mo. Mo. Didn't Ween kind of fall? I would they say straddled we, the so line. Straddle the line. I would say Ween's more alternative than jammy, yeah. weird. But hippies like Ween. There's a yeah. little bit you know, pippy bleed over into Ween and like Primus. I do remember a uh, w- when Fish came to Portland in like 2010, something like that. Uh, I went to the Civic Center with a buddy of mine because we were in Downtown Lounge. Uh, shout out Downtown Lounge, and somebody was like, "Oh, there's a Fish concert happening at the Civic Center," and we were like, "Oh, cool!" So we just walked down. And the doors were open, and we just stood outside with a direct line of sight to fish, and we just watched 10 minutes of a fish concert until yeah. finally some guy walked up, and he was like, what the hell are you doing? And we're like, <laughs> watching the show. And he was like, Jesus Christ, and walked away. And I was just like... <laughs> Didn't kick you out. He was just like... Argh. I mean, we're not inside the yeah. building. It's your fault. You left the damn doors open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. That's, that's fish for you. That's, that's fish. I was, th- I was too young to get the fish. The fish bug? The fish bug. I remember them doing shows at the Limestone Air Force Base when I was like an adolescent. Mm. Yeah, when I was a teenager, I remember wanting to take my car, and it was too far. My parents wouldn't let me. Oof. <laughs> but did you did you have the Trash Studio albums is the question. No, I didn't really listen to them at all. It was just something cool that my friends wanted to do. <laughs> I remember one of my friends having an older brother that was super into fish and like he was cute, you know what I mean? But that's all I really remember about fish. Kind of sounds like uh, when I got into country. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think they played fish on CYY or anything. Like Maybe on CLZ. <laughs> I, that Different song, is good. Yeah. See, that song sounds like something I would get played on CLZ. For sure, yeah. Or even... Uh, You'd probably have a, a WJZP little block of uh, uh, jam bandy stuff. I could see that happening. I could see it. They play a WJZP, lot of WJZP downtown uh, Portland's down, downtown right down, down the stru- street from here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice office building. We're yeah. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a spinoff called Less Jazz, More Talk, where <laughs> we count jazz, down the more Billboard. Pizzazz. Ch- yeah, Less Jazz, More Pizzazz, where we talk about the Billboard jazz charts. <laughs> Uh, uh, riveting uh, content. Uh, one of my favorite gags. Yeah, of all wait time. till I, I tear, uh, knock David Sanborn down a level. <laughs> Winton Marsalis, we're coming for you. <laughs> uh, excellent. All right. Well, fish. Congratulations on number thirty-nine. Good stuff. 
Uh, next is a song that uh, is still being played on WCYY, the next honorable mention. Ooh. Not particularly huge in 1996. It's an album that developed a following over time. It's Weezer Ooh. with El Scorcho off their second album, Pinkerton. Uh-huh. Now, this is they got a lot of flack for this album. Right. Initially. It was not very particularly well received at the time, but... Um, over the years, um, starting in the early 2000s, people kind of yeah, well, started hailing it as maybe their masterwork. Was this when he disappeared and went to Harvard? Yeah. I think it was after Pinkerton. Because uh, because of the... Uh, uh, the the Oh, my gosh. Now I can't talk. Because of the... Uh, uh, people's attitudes towards Pinkerton, he just like quit and went to Harvard. For like yeah. a couple semesters. Oh no, he was uh, okay. So yeah, it was he was supposed to do a rock opera called Songs from the Black Hole before the, that was originally going to be the follow up to the Blue Album. Hmm. But uh, this was Pinkerton was what they came up with afterwards after they scrapped the rock opera hmm. and they recorded the album between River Cuomo's terms at Harvard. So he was at Harvard during this album. Crazy. So I think a lot of it was like about other like students, the undergrad students at Harvard. That <laughs> Rivers Cuomo was singing about. But this uh, is the album that basically uh, one of the big uh, ground points for emo music. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, in mainstream emo. Mainstream emo, at yeah, least. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be some hardcore emo fans that'll point to previous, previous, previous examples of emo, but... Yeah. But the, the thing that w- that's always interesting to me, because I was, I was literally listening to the Blue album yesterday, um, Weezer's one that I put on because it's like easy to put on. And just be like, oh, I'll just listen to Weezer. Um, the, the thing about the sort of development into almost like a more cerebral thing. I mean, you know, when it's not Undone the Sweater song or something. This kind of like weird honesty, you know, he talks about the uh, the girl writing him the letter on this album and all that kind of stuff. Yep, the Japanese girl. Yep. And well, it, he sings a lot, a couple, so he mentions half Japanese girls on this song, too. Yeah, I think he's into... Uh, he likes Asian women. Yeah, I think famously he's married to a half Asian woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Weezer is just one of those ones where it's like, they they perfectly encompass a packageable band with uh, just enough edge where they're not... Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not... Uh, uh, they're not threatening. Yeah, they're not threatening. They're too nerdy. But at the to... same time, they're not... They're not pa- safe. Yeah, right. It's just enough. It's at least until they started recording covers of Toto and... Yeah, and then I, oh, kinda, I got out. <laughs> well, that was recently. I would say probably Islands in the Sun was when that came a little bit... Yeah, oh yeah. Maladroit. Yeah. Arrow and probably... uh, Beverly Hills. Yep. Yep. Although... Uh, I like Beverly Hills. I think it's a fun oh, song. so it's not a video cast, but I know when we started talking about Weezer, I put on a pair of grandpa glasses <laughs> to help me get into the Weezer spirit. Uh, there's a great podcast where River Rivers talks about his songwriting process, and it's so unbelievably like like he has binders with uh, on his computer that are all sorted so he can search by a keyword so he can just like look up things that he wrote from like four years ago and just like patch it into like a melody that he's working on and he's it's like mondays i work on words tuesdays i work on melodies wednesdays it's just like so unbelievably structured it's crazy yeah he's a savant yeah for sure i think he's probably the he's like the generation x brian wilson yeah 
Not some boomers going like to get that. mad at me for saying that, but well, uh, uh, less bed sores. <laughs> yeah, I uh, never went through a fat phase. Unfortunately, I would have loved to see Fat Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the new T-shirt. Uh, bring Fat Rivers. Give Cuomo. us Fat Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> I'd be in. Uh, excellent, All Weezer. Right. We'll get to the charts. Ooh, all right. So now we are at number 10. Number 10. Uh, band, I think it was their first big hit. Uh, another WCYY mainstay. Cake Ooh. with uh, The Distance off wow. their uh, first album, I believe. Fashion Nugget. Yeah. Second, that's their second album. Sorry to all you cake farts. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a big following? I mean, I like Cake. And... Cake has heart. Like Cake has, they're they're still big enough that they sell at the State Theater every year. Nice. That's a good size. They gave away a. F- they gave someone. Someone saw. I, I think maybe Will Green or my friend Will Green or somebody like that saw a Cake. I saw at, at the State Theater and they gave away like a ficus tree to the like there was like a giveaway really? for like a ficus tree or something weird. They did that uh, when they came to my college. Okay. They were like, we're going to give away this tree. And it was like, okay. Interesting. They kind of like a distinctive style that they definitely have a, a group of like hardcore fans. Yeah. I mean, it's not punk enough to be punk, but it's not like rocky. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, it's almost like a hip hop, you know? I think this song really encapsulates their sound. Yeah. Like, kind of funny, but like also like not so funny that it's like a joke. Yeah, right. It 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 definitely toes a line of like seriousness, and his tone being so deadpan. I've all, that, that they, something that I always found funny was like a uh, short skirt and long jacket. Like he's talking about like his ideal woman, like something that he should be passionate about, like have some kind of emotion. He's like, I want a short skirt and a long jacket. Jacket. <laughs> like he just can't even muster up any emotion for it, which is it like, works very well for them. Yeah, yeah, it makes. You like can't a nice imagine little... anybody else fronting cake. No. That's no. not a band. Like, there's so many 90s bands where you can insert a different front man, but, like, Cake is, like... <laughs> uh, welcome. Welcoming to Cake, Gary Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody actually, like, trying to, si- like, sing those songs, yeah. you know? He's going the distance! Yeah, right. <laughs> what what happens yeah. with that? Yeah. Uh, and that trumpet. Great. Cake. All right. Coming in at number nine off of their breakout album, also their second album, Tragic Kingdom, no doubt, Ooh. with their big monster ballad. Or this is actually a buzz ballad since this was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Don't Speak. That wow. was a song that uh, topped the, the uh, that was a number one pop hit. Really? Uh, I mean, I get it. Uh, it was number one on the airplay charts because it wasn't released as a single. Yeah. I'm looking at this now. But uh, it was a big, huge hit. I was played on top 40 stations, crossed over. What is Cake without Gwen Stefani? I was wondering <laughs> that the other day. Because, like, that's another one where it's like, you couldn't, what, like, what, no doubt you couldn't have, did I just say Cake? What is yes. no doubt without Gwen Stefani? Like, what if Gwen Stefani was singing Cake? I'd, cake? Be, I'd actually be into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, duh, boop. Okay. 
let's see here. Get a little taste. Oof. This was a real good sing-along song. After some high school guy was a jerk to you. That's right. At Biddeford High School. Or my sister, any of my friends. Together. Or your parents. <laughs> Every day together, always. I, really I like that the editor's note on Apple Music is, Ska grooves make it to the mainstream. <laughs> I thought it was funny the music video for this song is already playing up the storyline that like Gwen Stefani is a much bigger star than the rest of the band. Right. And it's like their second, it's like their third single. Mm. Yeah. What if I told you that this was actually Nelly Furtado? <laughs> Would you believe me? No. No? Alright. I've seen this music this music video is burned into my optic membrane. Uh, I think I knew uh, just a girl probably more, but I definitely heard this song everywhere. Yeah. Uh, just a girl was like the people's favorite, but like I think this was probably played more on the radio. Yeah, for sure. It was more like the radio f- big radio friendly bit. Well, it makes sense to push it because it it gives the band a little bit more dimension. Like yeah. oh, they're not just like a poppy punk apparently Scottish band uh you know they they have depth so yeah. push that and you know let's sell some records Ooh, records an hour long damn it's the 90s again you're still in the beginning the cds are new so everybody felt they needed to fill up an hour album yeah push it yeah uh uh salt and pepper no i'm just kidding they had to push it right uh real good anyways <laughs> I'm going to get caught in feedback, Luke. Number eight. Coming in at number eight, uh, it's a favorite band of the show, uh, R.E.M., with uh, a song called Bittersweet Me off their album New Adventures in Hi-Fi. That was their last album with their uh, original drummer, Bill Berry. And uh, probably like the last, kind of like the last uh, classic R.E.M. album. Really? Maybe like a maybe like a maybe in the second tier of classics, but it's the last one that was, you know. Hmm. But I was chatting with the sh- I, I texted the show's REM expert Anders Nielsen to get some uh, fe- what his thoughts what on his it? thoughts were, and he said that they achieved. Um, they thought this was their real strong rock album. They achieved what they hadn't quite uh, mastered on their previous album, Monster. Interesting. Yeah. It's a little bit more mellow than Monster. Yeah. Kind of like hints towards their kind of dad rock phase, the last phase of the band. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I feel like there was also a lot of like side projects starting to come out that were sounding like R.E.M. But for the love of me, I can't think of anything that I was buying. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Jason Newstead had an album post Metallica. Voidod or Voivod or something? Yeah, something like Echo that. Brain? Yeah, Echo Brain. Echo Brain. And yeah. Echo Brain was a little bit like REM y, this kind of REM y. He just pronounced it Nakad? Yeah. Okay. Theatrical <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> Nakad! Nakad! I like this. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, for some odd reason, all the uh, there's a lot of Adele showing up as uh, uh, you like this, you'll like Adele. Okay, 
I guess. <laughs> the no doubt and the REM prompted. <laughs> you put them together and you get Adele? Adele. Okay, I'm fine with that. I think this next song, number seven, probably won't. That will probably still get Adele suggestions. Is it Adele? It's coming in at number seven, a four-year-old Adele. <laughs> no, coming in at number seven, Cheryl Crow. Again, Ooh. a second album. It's This is a big week of, uh, besides R.E.M., it's everybody's second album. Sophomore effort. Sophomore effort. It's big year. 1996 was a big year for, the number six is a sophomore effort. Huh. Actually, a lot of these songs are sophomore albums. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Um, but uh, Cheryl Crow uh-huh. off her self-titled second album, the song called "If It Makes You Happy." Yes, also weird for alt rock, but yes, I, I totally. Th- I mean, get it. I would say like Cheryl Crow. You don't think of her as an alt rock song, but you listen to the song. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like something that would you could see. It. It's just the perception of Cheryl Crow, like everything she's done since. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the album cover alone, I mean, it looks yeah, like an very... old timey, you know, country photo. Well, she's looking very, she's looking alternative to me on the album cover. She's hmm. sulking in, in black and white. Sure. She was very angry at, during the recording of this album because, like, uh, her band for her first album, Tuesday Night Music Club, accused her of, like, kind of like pilfering their work, like, taking, hogging all the credit. What? Yeah. Hmm. And they said, like, Cheryl Crow's just a pretty face. and So she, she, can't, write, she can't write her wrong. songs. So, yeah, so this album was, like, her being like, fuck that. I'm going to prove my old band wrong. I can actually. <laughs> and this song is very uh, Rolling Stones-like, like early 70s, Exile and Mainstream type Rolling Stones. Yeah. You can, like, imagine Mick Jagger Definitely. singing this. Swaying. Yeah. Found Geronimo's rifle, Maryland shampoo, and Benny Goodman's Sounds like five and a half minutes long. Again, early CDs. <laughs> you want to make every song five minutes long. A minute till we get to the chorus? We're not it's even going to get to the chorus though. in a minute. Yes. There it is. Great. I mean, you know. It's great. I think it's a great it's a song. song. It's a good song. Are you a big Cheryl Crow fan, honey? Um, I never thought of her as alternative, but I definitely remember hearing her on the radio and seeing her on, on MTV and at least. Both my parents like Cheryl Crow. Finding it tolerable, if not yeah. pleasant. You weren't rushing out to buy the new album? No. Yeah. No, I mean, I fancied myself pretty punk rock, so. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I did like that song, but I would not call it punk rock. <laughs> no, I don't think you could stand that up with uh, the Sex Pistols or. <laughs> yeah, or, you know. The uh, Descendants. Or No Doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pinnacle of punk. Well, my sister had the No Doubt CD. Mm. Tragic. <laughs> My dad uh, had the No Doubt CD. I think what we're learning is that your dad's pretty hip. Yeah, no. He, I think I think that's kind of coming out over these yeah. episodes slowly. Like, we're learning, like, your dad is a cool guy. Well, he's very cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. He was like, I don't know, he was, he, was, he was listening to vinyl records when we just saw him. Ooh. Yeah, something. It's like, I don't know, some kind of country rock he was listening. Huh. Crazy. Yep. All right. 
Well, uh, Connor's dad is cool, and we are on number six. Number six is a band uh, that probably thinks it's cool. <laughs> Great. But rock critics didn't think they were very cool. Bush. Ooh. With the song off their sophomore album, Razorblade Suitcase, called Swallowed. It debuted at number six, debuted in the top ten. It was a very anticipated album. Uh, Razorblade Suitcase was produced by Steve Albini, the producer of Nirvana's In Utero. Okay. So, and he's a noted like rock curmudgeon. He's like one of the most famous like cranks in rock history, and everybody kind of uh, rock nerds made fun of him for selling out and producing a Bush album. <laughs> and he was like, "This is the, probably the best part of that album." Is like like the Steve Al- like made Steve Albini be like. Now look, they like they're nice guys, okay? They uh the checks cleared. <laughs> have, Gavin Rossdale took me out to some wonderful restaurants. Load up, load yeah. All right. It's some uh and I slip some boil away. They're not fucking around. 20 seconds in, they're getting to the goddamn chorus. <laughs> That's probably Steve Albini was like, don't fuck around. Get yeah. get to the chorus. Yeah, we have a five-minute song, but we need to get there. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, sort of an update on Glycerin. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's got, uh, it's like some Yanoi. That is a terrible goddamn album name. Razorblade Suitcase, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, horrible. It sounds like a shitty improv group, <laughs> right? We are Razorblade Suitcase. Can we have a suggestion for a kooky place to work, you know? Uh, tonight. Uh, but, yeah, all right. Some good Yano yeah, music. Uh, Coming I- in at number five. Ooh, top five. Top five, top five. And we might have to take a break soon because the next guest might be here soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm leaving my phone on just in case. This is all going to make it into the episode. This oh, yeah. Got it. This it, makes it. We. Do you think I have a lot of time to edit things? Come on. <laughs> all right, we have a group of editors. We got Thelma Sc- Schoolmaker. <laughs> Guest I... editor. Film, film editing and podcast ed- editing is very similar. Yeah, I'm going to get some interns. Top five. Top five. I know this is probably one of Leah's favorite songs on the countdown. Uh, 311. Ooh. <laughs> off their third album, 311. And did. Okay. No, that's another band. I thought every. That's Chicago. I was like, isn't 311 every album called 311? But I'm like, no, wait, that's Chicago. Yeah, Chicago has Chicago 16 and stuff. Yeah. Mm hmm. This is probably the only time 311 gets confused for Chicago, but the... <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> the song is Down. Down by 311. Uh, you ever go on that cruise? <laughs> no, I haven't gone on the cruise. I've, I've seen them in concert once um, down on the, the pier here. Oh, okay. That was a good time. Track one off the album. I always feel like don't make your single track one. I think it's make people work for it. That's true. I don't think this is the first single. Don't stay home is the first single. Ah, okay. This was the second. That's track eleven. So yeah, they really (laughs) made you work for it. The all mixed up was also on the debuted on the charts earlier, so they had two songs on the chart this week. Nice. I want to point out that they have a. 
some of the album tracks on this. There's an tr- album track called Jack-O-Lantern's Weather, mm-hmm. which I like. It's Halloween time. Sure. And there's also a track here, very uh, forward-thinking for the time. There's a track uh, called Guns, in parentheses, are for pussies. <laughs> Do you remember that song, honey? No, I don't. I don't think I have this whole CD. <laughs> but Peanut and uh, Nick Hexum were very uh, progressive for their times. Who am I? Am I getting, like, shades of Alice in Chains? Am I wrong about bit, that? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the the Rolling Stone review is uh, they said uh, Rolling Stone said uh, ear candy with good beats, remarkably adept at genre juggling. Beasties come chili peppers, potent reggae undertow. I was surprised that Rolling Stones gave it. uh, They liked it. Fairly decent review. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Because Three Eleven is not a band that's very popular amongst critics. No, no. Uh, I do every day at work, though. If I see a clock and it says three eleven, I say it's three eleven. Make a wish. <laughs> and our uh, our. I'll go get him. Yep. Here. It's Lee Erickson. What's up? Sitting in a tiny on deck chair. Tiny on deck chair. How's it going? Hello. See ya. How are you? T O D C. Exactly. Oh, where, where do I go? Oh, the tiny on deck chair, right behind oh, you. Right okay. There we go. <laughs> We're running a little bit behind. We're about. We'll plow through the rest of this episode. Take your time. Uh, you were talking about 311, so. <laughs> so it might take a while. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number. So, 311. Yeah. Are we done with 311? <laughs> Do you have any more thoughts on 311, Leah? Um. I think I've enjoyed them more, like, nostalgically as I've gotten older than I did when these songs actually came out. Are you remembering a certain time? Because I I feel that same way. Uh, I, I I've I've always said that I uh, I don't know what happened. Why I was like walking down the street when a particular bullet happened to be traveling, and I got saddled with less than Jake being my favorite band. <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah, I don't know In why. Like two thousand six, yeah, and for, and now I listen to those songs, and like I probably enjoy them more now than I did when I was actually actively, yeah. you know, like I put on Hello Rock View now, and I'm just like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, number four. Number four, uh, another band that you like. I know you like Leah. It's on I your mix. I really CD. like this song, but this is also another song that um, I don't remember hearing at the time. But once I did hear it, it's a uh, punk rock, uh, actual punk rock band, not like unlike Cheryl Crow. <laughs> Probably even more, I would venture to say more punk rock than No Doubt, Nick. Ooh, whoa! <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Uh, maybe even more punk rock than Green Day. Damn. Social, more punk rock social Distortion. Ooh, okay. Off their album White Light, White Trash, White Heat. Or excuse me, I can mix up the order. I'm <laughs> bad at mixing up orders. White Light, White Heat, White Trash. <laughs> song called I Was Wrong. That comes in at number four. All right. I Was Wrong. Social Distortion. Which is a... Uh, uh, it's they're a punk rock band, but it's not a. It's a very unpunk rock like message with a song. It's very contrite, talking about how burning the candle at both ends has been bad for them. Huh. I'm gonna say that this is a better album title than uh, Razorblade Suitcase. <laughs> Maybe even better than Hootie and the Blowfish's Fairweather Johnson. Yeah, although that was more telling. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, Leah, did you come to this song uh, based on the 2007 re-recording in Rock Band? 
Yes. Well, I mean, I'd heard it before then, but I definitely um, sang it a lot that year. Yes. When you were playing a rock band, you're like, this is a great song. That's right. It's funny because I, because of my job, I'm listening to more country radio, not voluntarily, uh, but uh, this could easily be a country song. Yeah. <laughs> like all you have to do is take out the electric guitar, put an acoustic guitar, and you literally have a country song. Yeah. Social Distortions covered Johnny Cash, so... Everybody's covered Johnny Cash. Yeah. Man in Black. Ooh. All right. It's a nice chorus. They made it in under just under a minute into the chorus. Just FYI. The second genre listed on the Social Distortions Wikipedia page is cowpunk. So that was a very good... Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Assessment saying that it sounded like a country song. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. You yeah outdid me on that one, well, Robes. Stuck in my head now, you know. <laughs> you you kind of like once you start hearing those kinds of things. Although I will say that Hunk that's actually Dunk, Dunk that's uh, <laughs> speaking of my cool dad. That's the what he lists. He listens to the Outlaw Country Station. So there's a mm. lot of stuff like Social Distortion and oh crazy Hank Three. Yeah, yeah. Get that tattoo. Yeah, you know, you got to get those three bars. Uh, not to be confused with what black, black flag, anti flag. Who has the three black, bar- black flag? Yeah, that are different. But and then if they're lined up, it's Hank three. Uh, speaking of three, number three, we're <laughs> in the top three now. Do you like that segue? That was good. That was smooth. <laughs> uh, all right, number three. Uh, no, coming in at number three, a uh, band that's not very punk rock, The Counting Crows, <laughs> off their sophomore album. Recovering Satellites? Recovering the Satellites. Yeah. A song called Angels of the Silence. I do not know that one. Uh, I do like this album a lot. Counting Crows. Uh, it's the first single, actually, off of uh, really? Recovering the Satellites. That's what they chose to push off of that okay i mean i get it it's very not like counting crows i was actually listening to this on the car ride over here and i was like this is not saying like a counting it's very rocking for counting crows they sound like they're trying to compete with uh punk rock legends like social distortion and <laughs> punk rock no legends and cheryl crow <laughs> and cheryl crow they're going after the crow huh Ooh. There's some durrits right there. Yeah. You can just hear the dreadlocks bouncing around. He's rocking out. Mm. This was right around the time that he had he was had uh, uh, he got intimate with uh, both Jennifer Aniston and uh, Courtney Cox in a in a biblical sense. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was story. a good time. Ninety five, ninety six is a good time to be Adam Durritz. Mm. Yeah, it's a great time. That was probably like the last time being a white guy with dreadlocks was cool. Is he white? Is he white? I don't know. I, I think it depends on the picture of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, great album. Fine song. Uh, I might have gone for a Have You Seen Me Lately if I'm doing that album. Or, you know, like, uh, I mean, Long December is the jam on that album. It's crazy. But He's a Russian. He has Russian Jewish just. Oh, okay. Ancestry. All right. All right. Um, he, so very white. He did shave his head though in August of this year. Oh, so he doesn't have dreadlocks in solidarity anymore. with Britney Spears. A few years later, <laughs> a few years late, he's like, yeah, Look, I, just years heard, late. I just heard the news. <laughs> <laughs> my phone is very slow. Yeah, 
I'm supporting Brittany <laughs> and her tiny furniture in her house. Um, right on. All right. Kind of gross. Good band. Number two. Number two. Uh, we got the Eels, or Eels. Really? With Novocaine for the Soul. Mm. Their biggest hit. Maybe their only big uh, chart hit. Rock chart hit. Hmm. Off their debut album, not a sophomore album. Oh, uh, see, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he came in at number two. Yeah. Actually, the top two songs are both off, uh, I think, first albums. A little novelty opening. It's both is hard and so am I you better give me something so I don't die yeah sounds good on the cans yeah I like this It's interesting to have like sort of like a novelty beginning, like yeah. you know, with the weird uh, vinyl scratching, and you know, you have the these... music box music. Yeah, and it's like thirty seconds. Yeah. of the opening of your album, <laughs> like you know, I mean, that's kind of a bold move. Yeah, you know, that's good. I like it. This right. is like still. I mean, yeah, the radio's still. Uh, Nineteen ninety six. They're still tolerant of stuff like that. Yeah, experimentation. A 30-second long intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, never since uh, Led Zeppelin have we put up with that shit. <laughs> and never will we again. <laughs> no, most songs don't even have intros anymore. No, get right to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're playing it in a middle school dance, you can't be you can't be bothering to have to do several different dances within one song anymore. Yeah. Got to get right to it. I get it. Uh, well, this, of course, brings us to... Number... One. Fwing, 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 fwing. Coming in at number one on the countdown this week, <laughs> November the 2nd. Long distance dedication from Deborah. <laughs> November 2nd, 1996, alternative rock charts mm. from their third album, their self titled album, their major. I always say it's their debut because it was their major label debut. Yeah. Uh, their third and final album. Ooh. Sublime. Uh, what I got. Really? Rest in peace. Okay. I mean, look, it's a. I, I think this song got ruined for me, unfortunately, because of every dumbass with an acoustic guitar playing this at open mics for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody learned this one thing and then the solo. That little. Yeah, I am saying that he can play the guitar like a motherfucking riot and then doing like a very basic (laughs) guitar solo. But I mean, because I'm now listening to this with a critical ear here, I mean, it is weirdly recorded. It's got like some bizarre stuff, like the fact that there's stereo panning on this vocal for no reason. I kind of like that. That bass line's great. I suggest yeah. as it drops out. 
and it was a sound that was like very new at the time. Like a lot of bands shitty yeah. ripped it off. Yeah. My dad also had this album. My dad, my dad was fucking rocking Sublime. Like my forty-one-year-old dad. At Your the time. dad. That's so awesome. Your dad's so cool. Forty ounces of freedom. Okay, that was the first, first album. Yeah. Knowing who Sublime was because I, they had a, something on them VH1 about them, and it was after he had died. Mm. And then I was like, oh, wow, this band's really good. And I just went to the store, and they had 40 Ounces of Freedom, and I bought that. And then I think this came out probably shortly after that. Yeah. Because he died right, um, uh, like, six albums. Uh, not six. <laughs> six months before the album debuted. Yeah. Um, and it was not a big... It's crazy how that album, like... Um, got so huge. And I wouldn't say it was just because, you know, he was dead. It was because... I don't know. It was a unique sound. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely that. It, it's interesting that they're sharing the list with Three Eleven, right? In the sense the, that, like that, the weird, like uh, punk reggae, you know, ska sort of like Venn diagram that was existing in California, and just mm-hmm. sort of like how unchill. <laughs> They were trying to make reggae, you know. It was just like this is all about like uh, uh, anger and you know shit and fucking we're skateboarding and rah. And then it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> fuck the man. Uh, okay, all right, it's cool. Your great three eleven. Uh, are you doing Sublime or three eleven? The fact that you can't tell means that I did it great. <laughs> The, inter- the intersection was captured. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I was a little bit sidetracked. I was daydreaming. I was thinking about... I talked about skateboards, and you were like, man, I want a skateboard. <laughs> I imagining myself going down a t- half pipe. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, would you care to do your top five? I'll do my top five. Okay. It was a good list. I can't think of any song that I didn't really... There yeah. was no song in there that was like, man, that fucking sucked. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm gonna go. We do our top five at the end of the episode. If you want to do a top Make five, your top five from this list. Yes, mm-hmm. gotcha. top five favorite. Uh, number five, I'm gonna go with Sublime. Okay, just because I have a lot of f- fun memories of riding to Old Orchard Beach with my dad as he, <laughs> my middle aged dad as he cranks Sublime. That is exactly where you put Sublime on the on in the car on the way to the beach. Yep, perfect. Uh, number four, I'm gonna do Social Distortion. I was wrong. Okay. Um, number three, I'm gonna do the eels. Mm. Nova came for the soul. Mm-hmm. Number two, I'm gonna do no doubt. Don't speak. Great. Number one, punk rock goddess Cheryl motherfucking crow. <laughs> if it I makes mean, you hey, happy. if it makes you happy, <laughs> I think that's. I mean, that's like the the uh, she out Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. He's, that's the best Rolling Stones song of the 90s. <laughs> By Cheryl Crow. By Cheryl Crow. All right. And she's got, her, she's got her classic rock bona fide. She dated Eric Clapton after this. There you go. So And uh, Clapton is God. Sure. Okay. Yeah, he'll, we'll, he'll, he, uh, a lot of his lesser works show up on this show. It's in the way that you use it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a punk rock shout out for Cheryl Crow, which is that um, one time when I saw Henry Rollins do spoken word at the State Theater, he mm. talked a lot about the huge crush that he had on Cheryl Crow and <laughs> how meeting her in real life was so heartbreaking and disappointing because <laughs> she didn't really share the same feelings. Damn. <laughs> he was like, oh my God, you're Cheryl Crow. And he, she was like, who are you again? <laughs> yeah. Much, yes. So, you know. She's like, I loved you in the chase. <laughs> 
right? Isn't that uh, Henry Rollins yes, in the chase? Yes, he's in the chase. With, uh, yep. He's... Uh, Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. and Christy Swanson. Is a flea in the chase, too? Yes. Uh, and Anthony Kiedis. They're driving the monster truck, and they try to ram Charlie Sheen off the road. That's a very 1994 movie. Oh, Carrie Elwes is the uh, 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 news host as well. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's a bizarre movie. Uh, Leah, you got a top five? All right. Let's see. I think I'll do, can I take from the honorable mentions yes. for number five? All right. We'll put Weezer El Scorcho at number five. Okay. Um... Let's do three eleven down for four. Mm. Um, no doubt, don't speak for three. Mm, great. Cake, the distance for two, mm. and social D. I was wrong for one. Nice. It's a good list. That's a good list. It's good. I mean, I think there's every song. I was like, I wouldn't be upset with any of them on the top five. Usually, like somebody puts something on the top five, I'm like, yeah, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like when Nick, when uh, Keith Hebert was really repping for Godsmack, I was like, you, you fucking idiot! You've spent too much time at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> that's, uh, that's his personality. Guy that's spent too much, too much time at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom. I love ragging on previous guests of the show. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, is there no greater joy in life than uh, making fun of somebody who's not there to defend yeah. themselves <laughs> and having solid evidence that they suck? <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, this has been episode eight. This was uh, November 2nd, 1996. 1996. And that ends another week of. You don't say your top five. Oh, I can say my top five. Yeah, you usually give your top five. Top five. Okay, number five, I'm going no doubt. Four, Cake. Three, The Eels. Two, Weezer. One, Count of Crows. Hmm. I like the Count of Crows song. You like the Count of Crows song? Yeah, yeah. I think think Weezer and Count of Crows were kind of interchangeable for me in the one-two slot, but that's how I'm feeling right now. All right. Uh, November 2nd, 1996. Excellent. That's has been less rock, <laughs> more, more talk. talk. We got it. I didn't even hesitate. <laughs> we got it. The, uh, the the iced tea and a Jack Daniels bottle is really kicked in. My brain's working. <laughs> <laughs>